Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. There we go. Okay. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John, John chapter 8. But in a series called The uh, Encounters with Jesus. And this morning, um, we're going to talk about the adulteress. And so maybe that'll raise some eyebrows. I don't know. But that's who we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, just a quick question How many of you, who went to the, was, I think it was last night, anybody, or Friday night, or this week, or some point that, the Casting Crowns concert, anybody go to that? Raise your hand. Who went to that? Who wanted to go but didn't go? Because it's at the Wagner and they want an arm and a leg for their tickets. And <laughs> like Casting Crowns, been around for a while, so grateful. John chapter 8 is where we're going to be looking. And, uh, you know, as I was, I, was, I was thinking about this passage, I really started thinking about really police officers. I... Um, you know, and I know, I mean, we live in a culture that a lot of people have a lot of opinions, but, um, you know, it's just like with anything, sometimes we paint with a really broad brush, you know, and, and when we make judgments about something, which is a little bit what we're going to talk about this morning. And so, but me personally, I, there's been so many times, if you didn't know, um, we're, we're kind of on uh, the side of the town, an area that we need uh, alarms and police officers, <laughs> And so it's usually a comfort to me when I drive. I can't tell you how many times I drive up or at night and we have police officers parked in our, um, in our parking lot. And, um, you know, it's just, I, I have, I have respect for our officers. And, uh, but I, one of my, one of my favorite video series that right now on social media and, uh, don't, don't judge me because I know you guys do this too. So, but uh, I, I watch, you know, thing, you know, videos on social media, but it's called Fridays with Frank. Has anybody seen Fridays with Frank? Jessica, anybody, nobody see? Oh my, I'm, I'm about to change your life right now. I'm going to, so I got the pilot episode. It's a couple of minutes that we're going to watch. It's from a police department out of, uh, or a sheriff's department out of Arizona. And so, uh, but I, I want to introduce you to Fridays with Frank. to move to the right in the right lane that's what the two lanes you are to drive in the right at the speed limit the left lane for Arizona State Law the metronome and you are past the metronome the, the metronome on garage band Criminally, which means that I place you under arrest, I place you in handcuffs, I tow your car, I book you into jail, 
you learn the lesson of, hey, maybe you shouldn't speed that much. Or, I can issue you the citation, you take care of it, you go to driving school, you just understand that 31 miles an hour over is probably pretty unacceptable, and you just don't do it. Does that seem fair? Okay. So we, all, we I went with option two, so you don't have to go to jail. Thank you. So we're driving through traffic, and obviously traffic's pretty heavy right now. And this guy blows my doors off at 69 and a 45, makes a lane change without signaling, and he is tailgating the guy in front of me. And there's another lane change without signaling. So now we're going to have a talk with him about why lane changing without signaling and speeding is bad. You blew my doors off in traffic there. Your top speed was 69 miles an hour, posted speed limit 45 miles per hour. And both of the lane changes you made, both to the left and to the right, weren't using your turn signal. That's required by Arizona law. He just didn't realize he was going that fast. And that's, that's what his reason was. And, yeah. Questions I can answer for you right now. Sir, thank you for your professionalism. I appreciate that, thank you. Thanks for wearing your seatbelt, just slow down a little bit, all right? So I stay with you, my friend. So I chose that clip for two reasons. Uh, let me see, see if you follow me. One was people driving in the left lane that should be in the right lane. Come on, somebody. The second one that Odessa really, Midland Permian Basin, blinkers. Use your blinkers. All right, that's my soapbox for this morning, so... But I don't, you know, maybe, maybe when you see an officer, you know, sometimes our gut reaction is, it's like, cop, you know, hit the brakes, you know, am, am I going, am I speeding? You know, we see that, that, that officer, that official, that authority, and uh, kind of what starts racing through our mind is, am I doing something wrong? Do I got my seatbelt on? Do, you know, we kind of go through all this process. And uh, the reality is that so many people, sadly, often carry that image over to God. They have that same view of God in their life. And if we're honest, if, you know, so many, I mean, we, some people have this view that God's in heaven with a big stick or that, you know, he's got that flashlight just waiting to, to catch you. The problem is when we view God in that manner, whenever we do fall short, we tend to distance ourselves from God. And I can say, based on authority of Scripture, God does not want that in your life. He doesn't want that for you. And so I think a lot the story we look at today here in John chapter 8, it's going to kind of bring some things to light about us and our view of God, our view of one another. And so I'm really praying and minister to you, but let's pray before we start, before we read our text. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning as your work in this house. Lord, we pray, Lord, that our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive your word, that you do the work inside of us that needs to be done this morning. And so I pray for our hearts, my heart, to be open and ready to receive. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I believe that we can live life in a way that God is not some kind of spiritual cop in heaven that we have to hide from or avoid. In John chapter 8, verse 1, it begins this way. Jesus returned, and it will be on the screen, and uh, we do have the fill-in notes. We have extra notebooks in the back. If you are following us along that way, a new version, as you heard in the announcements, you can go to events on the Bible app, and you'll, it'll pop up. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and 
he sat down and taught them as he was speaking. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and put her in front of the crowd. And I know I say this every time if I reference this verse, but it, it does, I, I think it every time I read it, what were they doing to catch her? And why did they only bring her? Because Jewish law would have been to bring the, uh, the, the male as well. But they only bring her. I mean, what, did they stage this? Were they, you know, waiting out? I mean, what, did they follow some? I mean, we don't know, but we know they wanted to use this as a trap. And so they put her in front of the crowd at that. And so here they are. We caught her in adultery and exposed her to a group of people. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman caught in an act of adultery, the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Uh, Jesus knew this. He knew that they were trying to trap him. And so Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. Now, we don't know what Jesus wrote right here. Not, nobody knows. We only can make assumption. But apparently what he began writing wasn't something that really grabbed their attention. So we, we don't know what that was. And, but they, the scripture says they kept demanding an answer. So maybe they were so indignant they didn't notice he was writing in the dirt. I mean, we don't know, but we don't know what he was writing. And so, but they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and began to wrote in the dust. And then it gets their attention. So whatever he's writing, he stoops down, he writes again, starts right. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And probably the reason why it was oldest to youngest is because, I mean, no offense to anybody younger, but uh, sometimes older people are smart. Amen. Sometimes I, I have to remind my kids, okay, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm smart, you know. <laughs> but, you know, so we see the older ones walking on. We don't know. We don't know that maybe he began to write people's names that were having affairs. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe he was writing their name and, and a, a list of sins. I, I mean, but it was something that coincides with this, this, this story unfolding and he without sin cast the first stone. And I know this may be an interesting thing to draw out. And I, you know, I've never heard a sermon with this point, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to just number one really quick is that people are mean. People are mean. And I, I know you're like, what, where is he going with this? Listen, I, we live uh, so we see the Pharisees caught this woman in the act of, I mean, we don't know. We know that uh, I would dare say it took a bunch of mean guys to do whatever they did to catch her and then try to catch Jesus in this trap. And I know, I get it, I know that scripture says that we don't fight with carnal weapons. I know that scripture says we don't fight against flesh and blood. Yet it seems like the majority of our conflict is with people. Are you following me? 
I mean, it really does. And people can be mean. But I want to explain something to you. I, somebody had told me one time that, um, just in a conversation, that they lower their expectations of people so that they will not be disappointed by people. And, I, you know, that's one th- way to look at things. But I, I don't completely agree because here's what I know is that I have an expectation that sinners are going to sin. Did you know that? I know that's revelatory. You're like, boom, Pastor, you're, you're telling us now. But what goes along with that is I have an expectation that humans are going to act humanly. I mean, flesh is going to act like flesh. I have an expectation that my little puppy dog's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to kill him one day. That's a whole other story of my weekend of my, every day in my house being gone to ladies retreat and me being alone with a dog. Anyway, sorry. I digress pretty bad there. Um, and so you're on one side of the coin on this. Either you're somebody that is mean or you're somebody that has somebody's been mean too. And really, some of this comes, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to go all over the map, but some of this is how do we go through life and contend with that? We know that people are not our enemy, but yet so many times our battle seems to be with people. But I'm going to tell you some scriptures that I live by. And I, I don't know that these are going to be on the screen. I was just kind of, as I, was, as I always do, kind of read through things and I, I just thought, you know what, how, I, I do, I want to show you how, how, I, how I attempt to live life. Listen, I'm human just like anybody else, so I don't always get it right. But there are some verses I tend to live by. And one of them is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. This is such an important verse to, I mean, it's important enough to like, to not just, I mean, you could write it across your bathroom mirror. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with blessing. And I know this is like such a revolutionary thought, right? But it's what scripture, it's what the Lord expects from us. We pay back with blessing. So if somebody's mean to you, what does the scripture tell us to do? Bless them. Matter of fact, the Bible says that when you love your enemies, it's like keeping coals on their head. Don't insult, pay back with blessing, because this is, I mean, we, we're, we live in a culture, an American culture, that everybody wants to know their calling, and yet there's so many things obviously point out in Scripture that have to do with our calling. So what's part of your calling? You are called to return blessing for insult. That is your calling. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to ask God, should I be nice to that mean person? It is what God has called you to do. The second one is two passages found in Ephesians. And I know it's taking us some time, but I think this is going to help you a little bit. Ephesians chapter 4, the first three verses. Therefore, a prisoner of serving the Lord. This is Paul writing the church of Ephesus. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. What are you called to do? Bless those who insult you. Worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always what? Be humble, gentle, patient, making allowances for one another's faults. 
Well, y'all have gotten really quiet. I, yeah, you, you're, you may have somebody in your life that is about to drive you up the wall. I'm telling you, the scriptural narrative is to give them a lot of grace. And I'm going to tell you why, because you need grace. Be patient with each other, making allowances for fault because of your love. Make every effort, keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. Ephesians, and then it goes on to say in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior, right? I mean, that, I'm going to tell you, when, when you are determined to be right, no matter the cost, you're going to fall into one of those things of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. If you want to demand, are you following? We have taught our kids, you can be 100% right, but completely wrong. As well as all types of evil behavior. Verse 32, instead, what? Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Oh, and they, I mean, this is, like, this is the Jesus juke that Paul writes to the Ephesians right here. Just as God forgave you, Remember? Remember how bad you were, that Maori clay you were in, and yet God still forgave you? Amen. So the, question, the, the statement is this, be careful that you haven't picked up the rock. Be careful that you haven't picked up the rock. As believers, am I saying that we don't confront sin? Am I saying we don't speak truth? And yes, godly and scriptural confrontation needs to happen, has to happen. Truth needs to be declared. But I'm going to tell you, you can be 100% right, but completely wrong. And we got to be careful of if we're the one picking up the rock. We need to be careful we're the one not picking up the rock. We have said over and over and over and over and over and over and over in this church that it, it doesn't matter someone's background, what they look like, what they dress like, what, whatever the it in quotation is that was out there in here is going to be a safe place to experience the presence of God. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a place that people can experience and encounter Jesus. Jesus. People can be judgmental. People can be hypercritical. I mean, you remember the, the thing, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That, that was a big fat lie, wasn't it? <laughs> Why? I mean, words hurt. So we respond with blessing. We don't return insult for insult. And the reality is this, the only one in that sentence, when we read John chapter 8, the only one who could have thrown a rock, didn't pick one up. The one that asked the question, he without sin cast the first stone, was the only one that could pick up the rock. And he didn't do it. So now therefore is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, God is not surprised at your sin. He's not shocked. He's not astounded. He's not taken by surprise. I mean, when I fall short, God doesn't say, I can't believe that PT let me down again. God sent his son, John 3, 17. We like John 3, 16, right? And then, but if you, you know, for, you know, God gave his one only son that, 
you know, whoever believed in him should not perish ever less. And then we get to verse 17. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world. Other translations say, condemn the world, but save the world through him. Amen. So what am I saying? Am I saying that uh, you can just kind of live life how you want to? Now, that's not what I'm, I'm trying to suggest at all. Because number two is this. Jesus accepts us, but he doesn't approve of our sin. Jesus accepts us, but he doesn't approve of our sin. So how does this work? How does this come together? Remember, Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Don't even one of them condemn you. I didn't read this in our text, but verse 11 says this. No, Lord, she said. And what did Jesus say? Neither do I go and sin no more. I'm going to tell you, God has an expectation of you when you encounter him for your life to change. You see, growing people change. I mean, when we come to faith, God expects us to grow into a place of spiritual maturity. And as we grow into a place of spiritual maturity, things are going to change in our life. We're not going to do what we did. We're not going to keep going the same patterns, the patterns of our past. It's a common misconception that Jesus is totally fine with us sinning as long as we ask for forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you, that is not the case. The, re the thing is, is that when we do fall short, because of his expounding great, magnificent love that he has for us, he says, there's forgiveness for you. Come to me. Are you with me this morning? So yes, growing people change. And what I think people need to know, and every time I read this, I think two things are happening. I also think, I, you know, listen, this is not, so, okay, let me back up. This may be reading between the lines, but when I go through all of the, all of the, all the New Testament, there's something I begin to understand. And many of you, we took part, we 30 days, the New Testament last month, and, and there's a theme that you begin to get especially when Paul's writing, is, and it's mind-blowing. But when you come to faith in Christ, you don't have to sin anymore. And I think so many times we, whether it's we, we sell ourselves short or, or we, I mean, just keep putting ourselves in this battlefield of the mind and in, these, in this box and, the, and these chains. But I, it, just in case you've ever thought that, listen, when you come to Jesus, your nature changes. When you have an encounter with the Lord, you are a what new creation. And that old person is gone. And so you don't do what that old person did. Are you? And so you don't have to go back. But I want to read, I think Colossians 3 um, says this better than anything. Colossians 3 is five verses. Just be patient with me. Let's read it together. Colossians 3, 5 through 10. So to, to death put the sinful. To death put the sinful earthly things lurking within you. When Paul is writing this, who is he telling to, to put these things to death? He's telling us. Oh, I think you missed a very powerful point. There's things that God works in us, stirs in us. Philippians 2.13, right? One of our favorite verses for it is, God that works in us to will and act according to his good pleasure. There is that work of sanctification that happens in us. But I'm going to tell you, there are things you're going to have to choose. Yeah. 
Earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person as an adulterer, worshiping the things of the world. This is Paul's list. This is not PT's list. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. I really like the more literal translation. It's a little more direct, but the wrath of God is coming. I don't like the wrath of God, but I like the wording of it. Verse 7, you used to do the, what, you remember last week, who was here last week we talked about the were? Look, look, look what he says, you used to, right? You used to, that's who you used to be, which means what? You're not doing those things anymore, why? Because when you came to faith, God began to work in you and you began to change. Because of these sins, the anger of God. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, verse 8, but now is a time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Kind of reminds you of Ephesians, doesn't it? Verse 9, don't lie to each other. For you have stripped, here's the key, you have stripped, who, I guess we need to be careful how we word that, but it's what the, so, sorry. Who strips? <laughs> People are gonna leave church this morning and say, you know what pastor said? It doesn't say that God does this for you. Who makes the decision? Mm. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all the wicked deeds. You've got to make the choice. God will empower you, strengthen you, but it's got to be us that makes the choice. Verse 10, put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator. I mean, a time has to come really where you're like, enough is enough. Enough is enough. This pattern in my life, I'm going to stop. And I know for some to make that decision comes at great cost. But yet still, it needs to be made. The third thing is this. Is all this is kind of going to culminate right here very quickly is to drop the rock. See, some of you, it's already too late. For some of us, it's already too late. We're already holding on to the rock. It says, Jesus stooped down and began to write. They kept demanding an answer. He stood up. Who has never sinned, throw the first stone. He stoops down again, begins to write again. One by one, the oldest to the youngest, they slipped away. Nobody's left to accuse this woman. Listen, I, I mean, there's, I think there's all kinds of directions and things we could say, but, and I, there's a, a statement we hear a lot to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Has you ever heard that statement before? It actually comes like way back in the day, like hundreds of years ago by, with St. Andrew, something he said, Gandhi's the one that kind of really made it more popular, but it's a statement that we're familiar with. And and I, it's something I used to say all the time, but I've come to a place, I don't know that I really like that statement because I can't speak for other areas, but I know in our culture, people's sin usually becomes their identity. People's sins usually become their identity, right? I mean, you know, and I, I'm not here to down any program or what I know people, I've used all kinds of programs that bring a lot of life change in their life, but listen, if I'm a new creation, that tells me my identity changes. Yes. Is anybody following me? Yes. 
And so listen, I know if, if you say, if you're in this room and you've used, and I'm not disparaging these, these, these places, right? So please understand there, uh, you know, but I, I, listen, if you've been through AA or NA or anything like that, you know, they, they still, to me, send a claim that identity, I, hello, I'm so-and-so, I am an alcoholic. I'm going to tell you, listen to me. You are a new creation. That is not your identity anymore. It's not. And I, I thank God for these programs. I'm trying to kind of soften the blow a little bit, but I'm also trying to empower you. Listen, you don't have to go back to that. You don't have to go to back to who you were. You don't have to go back to being the liar, the thief, the idolater, the adulterer, the sexual morality. You don't have to go back to any of it because God has made you new. He's changed you. But what happens so many times is that we make this shift and change and we become judgmental. You know, it's amazing to me of people's attitudes of, of how they perceive and see people. And you know, it's like if I have, if I have a negative encounter with Johnny Carino's, right? I mean, what is that? T- you're like, I don't like Johnny Carino's. And that tends to be the way we are with a lot of things in our life, especially with other people. But I want to remind you what you are called to do is not return insult for insult or railing for railing, but blessing. Why? So that you may also inherit a blessing. But we have a lot of people and a lot of churches that are holding on to that rock, holding on to that rock, that judgmental attitude. And maybe the root is out of hurt. Maybe the root is out of offense. I mean, you're just, boy, you're just ready at any moment, at anything that had to slightly go wrong. Somebody say the wrong thing. I knew they were going to let me down. If you really want to know what it is that for to have the joy of the Lord and to be immersed in his love and, and see the fruit of the spirit to really stir and come into your life, you've got to drop the rock. You've got to drop the rock. No matter how long it takes, listen, I, I, I know I said it over and over and over and over, and I'm going to say it again. <laughs> you know, when people come to our church or this church, I, I know that there may be all kinds of baggage that comes in with all kinds of negative patterns. And again, I'm gonna say, it doesn't mean that we're not gonna speak truth. It doesn't mean it's like, this, you know, speak towards a lifestyle and say, this lifestyle is wrong. I mean, you're gonna hear that, but listen to me. We will walk with anybody as long as it takes when they come in through these doors to bring them to the place where God wants them to be. So whatever that looks like, it's what we're going to do. Do you hear me, church? It's who we're going to be. I, I know that I, you start talking about life change and the way we live life, but scripture, scripture says very clear, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but we are transformed how? By the renewing of our mind. And I'm going to tell you that when he says, he without sin cast the first stone, I, you know, you got to understand, they're still under the law at this, right? Jesus hasn't died yet. He hasn't gone to the grave yet. He hasn't risen again yet. This hasn't happened. 
And so what that what means is, is Old Testament law is still in effect. And so according to the law, yes, they should have stoned this woman. Now, they should have also stoned the man that she was with, but that, that's what still should have happened. And yet Christ still shows this grace and this mercy. And when it says, it, it doesn't mean, so here's the deal when it comes to judgmentalism, is that I got to kind of read it this way. He with pure motives cast the first stone. Think about it that way. He with pure motives. Do you think anyone there in that moment of those Pharisees had pure motives in what they were doing? Not at all. Not at all. And so I'm going to tell you, I kind of skipped over this, but I want to go to it just very quickly. I'm not going to go to the scriptures. But there's, there's, there's two passages in, we read in Galatians. And they're really important passages. And um, it's going to be in your notes if you have the paper notes, or you're going to see on the version. But I want to explain to you this really quickly. It talks about how that there's this son born really out of the promise, born by the flesh, right? Because remember, Abraham was given a promise. Does anybody remember that? That he was going to have a son, and Abraham did what? He kind of messed things up a little bit and got ahead of the promise. So they had Ishmael. And so then, but God still in his, in his grace <laughs> held true to his word, and we... And, um, Isaac is still born, right? Abraham, yeah. Isaac is still born. Who's the promise? And Galatians talks about there's this battle that's going on between the son born of the flesh and the son born of the spirit. And here's what it says. It says that the son born of the flesh will persecute the one born of the spirit. And Paul even says this, it is the same now. And so I know because some of us are like, you're like, pastor, I'm going to say, I ain't holding no rocks when you got two in your hand, Right? <laughs> I'm going, to give you, you, I'm going to give you the litmus. Have you, have you ever heard about the term live by the spirit, right? You've heard, and the term live by the flesh, you know? I'm going to tell you, one of the litmus tests to tell you where you stand. The one in the flesh will always persecute the one in the spirit. And so if you really want to ask the Lord to search your heart and to see where you stand, come on, I said, God has got really, really quiet. We want to ask the Lord, Lord, am I living by the Spirit? Am I, or am I following my fleshly desire? And when it comes to either personal relationship or when people that we see as enemies, we need to ask ourselves, who's the one doing the persecuting? The fourth and the last thing is this, is Jesus wants to replace your guilt with grace. Jesus wants to replace your guilt with grace. Romans 6, 14, sin is no longer your master. Can somebody say amen? amen? For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Yes. And in this moment, that's exactly what this adulterous woman found was the grace of God. Let me explain this for you. See, legally, what should have happened? She should have been killed. See, they should have picked up those stones and do what they do and stone her. That was the legal correct thing to do. Are you following me? Listen, in our life, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. When you live a lifestyle away from God, rebellion towards God, and him not the Lord of your life, the Bible says the punishment for that is death. It's what we deserve. It's what we deserve. 
But Jesus wants to replace that guilt in your life from breaking the law and bringing into a place of grace. He wants you to be just like the adulterous Roman that experiences who's here to condemn you because my blood covers you. There's no one left that can say anything against you. Are you following me? He wants you to know that grace. I know we have a hard time understanding it because we don't live that way a lot of times. In our world, if you mess up, you pay for it. I, I can't, you know, there, I, I, I know that everybody can say this, but there, you know, I, there's been times where I felt I was pulled over by an officer where I did nothing wrong. I mean, when I got an argument one time with, I, and I respect her, I, I respect him, it was in Lubbock, and he said I ran a stoplight, and I know I did not run that stop. I know, I mean, when I entered that intersection, it was green. I, I, I'm not colorblind. And I mean, I got an art, and, I, and it got a little heated. I was like, okay, I'm going to get arrested if I don't stop. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but you know, I got, I, you know, he went back to write me the ticket. And they, if I hadn't started a mess, I might not have got a ticket. I don't know. But I, kind of the thought just entered my head. How many times have you broken a law where you should have got pulled over and didn't? And I was like, well, Okay. <laughs> That, that, that may be true, just a little bit, just a little bit. The reality is, is that we're all guilty. We're all guilty. But he provided the way of escape. He provided the way of escape. Sometimes we hold on to rocks what other people have said about us. Sometimes... We try to, you know, I, one of the greatest things about social media, I think, is one of the, one of the most frustrating things about social media is that, you know, we, we want to throw our rocks on social media. But here's the reality. There's, there's no way to unthrow rocks you throw. And for those that are a part of God's family, what I want you to do is to drop the rock. If But I want you to know this morning that if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you can experience His grace. If you would stand this morning. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.